Welcome to the Real Pill Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loizel. And with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. I'm always, I always have this like perplexed look whenever we start recording because I'm like, what's that sound? What's that sound? Oh, it's no, a, we're fine. It's, it's a fan. Yeah, it's a fan. Like, what's wrong? We're fine. I keep forgetting. It's the ceiling fan. <laughs> so every time you make that look, I'm like, it's the ceiling fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I bet you anything next week I'm going to forget. It's the ceiling fan. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's sadder than that? What's that? Uh, wasted talent. That's all right. <laughs> Some would say that's me. Wasted talent. That's with most people. <laughs> um oh yeah i how are people gonna know who i am uh you said your name i know but they don't they're not gonna know my title you mean shitbird yeah shitbird <laughs> <laughs> managing editor and writer at shitbird dot <laughs> <laughs> no managing editor and shitbird at <laughs> shitbird managing editor and shitbird <laughs> <laughs> see that's my wasted talent mm-hmm. wasted that was great. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep going. Okay, I will. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal to ease in real. And you can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, please review us on iTunes so we can get noticed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you do, you'll be cool, too. You get a stamp of approval from The Real Appeal podcast that you're, you are cool. Get it notarized and everything. That costs money. <sighs> they don't know that shit. <laughs> See the sound of that truck? There's people already <laughs> driving away as fast as they can. No, they, they're, they're coming here to get that cool, notarized piece of paper that says they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's But it, by notarized, it's just me writing notarized. <laughs> right. And putting a circle around it. <laughs> Two circles, notarized. Yeah. <laughs> a couple underlines, too. <laughs> um... The segments for this week's show are the news, a recent review of The Many Saints of Newark, our Variety Time segment where we talk about Beyond Fest 2021, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because it's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, our geriatric cinematic is A Bronx Tale, which came out in 1993. And Mark, Shipbird, what's the topic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in the days when I was young and carried a bat everywhere. Is that supposed to scare me? No. Oh, no. I don't think anything can scare you. <laughs> you're just like, you're like, nothing scares me if you got nothing I, I am the go. fucking fear. <laughs> I know. I am the one who knocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to get started with the news? Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of the many saints of Newark. Uh, David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, has inked a five-year deal uh, with uh, Warner Media. Uh, it's a first-look deal, so, you know, first look of all this shit. Uh, so the deal covers film and television. Chase is developing uh, content for HBO, HBO Max, and Warner Brothers Picture Group. Um, there's currently no spinoffs for the Sopranos, because this is the guy who's like, he's been a writer for decades, but he's mainly known for like the creator of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Um so he did tell Deadline earlier in the month that he is considered doing a sequel to the Many Saints of Newark, which 
I'm sure Kelsey and I will think that's a great idea, and we'll go, we'll get into details once we do a review of the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, he says that uh, he's he's considered doing this, maybe potentially setting in. Uh, let me see. Looks like late sixties, late seventies. Uh, well, that's when the many sins of Newark Newark came out. Like was oh, that? The, yeah. So he's saying it would be any time between then and nineteen ninety eight, which is the start of. Oh yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, he said uh, there only one way that I could do it, and it was if uh, Terry Winter, the guy who helped write The Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire, and I could write a script together that I would do. Um, but he hasn't like he 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 has interest in doing other stuff as well. But like I I I'm I'm actually kind of excited about this if if he does do like a a Sopranos spinoff or like a continuation of The Sopranos because. Before, like, the movie came out, I went through, like, the entire series, and I was like, all right, I get it. I get why people, like, think this is, like, the greatest show ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not my it's not my favorite show of all time, but, like, it, it's got some, it's got a lot of good values to it. Um, but, like I said, he he helped work, he'll put together, like, Warwick Empire as well, if I remember correctly. I think David Chase did work on that as well. Um, so, uh, he's, he's, he's great at writing. In a different way, <laughs> like, like I said, once we get to the main series of Newark, I'll I'll go into first in a, into more detail why I think he's great at writing, but like, not features. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I feel like he's got to be a partner. You know, how yeah, people yeah. are good at writing and directing yeah. solo only, and then other people are great at collaborating. Yeah, but yeah. They can't hack it on their own. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, hopefully it's going to be like some good shit. Yeah, hopefully. Good shit. Mm-hmm. You know what else is good shit? What's good shit? Squid Game. And uh, apparently mm-hmm. it's been a decade in the making. Mm-hmm. And then Netflix bought it. So Huang Dong-hyuk, um, he's the creator of the show. Mm-hmm. He had the idea for Squid Game. It was more than a decade ago. But he, at that time, was strapped for cash. So, obviously, I think that's probably what helped him think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when he tried to sell the concept to, like, producers in Korea and everything, mm-hmm. they didn't want to see They didn't want to entertain the idea. Because yeah. they said it's too brutal. Um, it's an unlikely premise of people literally willing to die for money. No. Uh- that's no that's not what what (laughs) i know know, right (laughs) okay so he did an interview with the wall street journal Mm -hmm. and he shared more details about it um about his circumstances when he was writing the script more than 10 years ago and he said that he was living with his mother and his grandmother Mm -hmm. and he had to stop working for a while um because he had to sell his laptop so that he could make ends meet jesus so it was that bad um (laughs) he's like see that's that's like that that reminds me of like certain creators and stuff like that how they're like they're back into a corner and like that's when like their best writing comes out um or like their most like lucrative writing uh two off the top of my head is uh jk rowling uh who i think she was like homeless at the time when she wrote harry potter and then uh what's his name the medea dude um Oh, why is his name fucking escape me? I because keep, we don't want to fucking remember it. I know. No, my brain's like 
Terry Gilliam or something like that. I don't know why. I'm I know. Free. I want to say Terry, too, but it's not Tyler Terry. Perry. There you go. Tyler Perry. He was living in his car when he wrote the stage play for Medea. Should and, just call him Big Bad Wig Dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he's known for now. Uh, but like these people. Oh, uh, who else? Uh, James Cameron. James Cameron's another one. He was living in the car when he wrote the idea for like Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this is, this is just a case where it's just like the dude is like. I got nothing else to lose, so I'm just going to pour everything into this thing. Right. So, um, his real life struggles, obviously you can see the connection between them and like what's going on in Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Variety last month, he said, I wanted to write a story that was an allegory or fable about modern capitalist society, something that depicts an extreme competition, somewhat like the extreme competition of life, he said. I wanted it to use the kind of characters we've all met in real life. Um, so Netflix picked up the series as part of a multi-million dollar push to create Korean content. Mm-hmm. Um, the first season exceeded the company's expectations. So Squid Game is now on track to become Netflix's most watched show. Um, I, I, I can see that. I'm sure you can see that too because you've been watching Squid Game as well, right? awesome show <laughs> exactly and that's the thing like there was like no i i heard no advertising about it i i saw nothing about it other than like oh it's a new release squid game and then people start talking about squid uh-huh. game and i was just it's like completely word of mouth yeah yeah and like and that's kind of like I, I have a habit of like falling behind because i get so bombarded with like work or my daughter or school and i'm like all right i'll watch it like a few months down the line or a couple of years and I'll see what's up. But then I don't know. I've kind of just been on this thing. Cause, um, I've been kind of on this thing of like, all right, let me start watching these shows and start catching up. Like, like I've been watching hacks, reservation dogs. I've been watching why the last man and just be like, all right, let me like try to stay as current as possible. Mm-hmm. So, so squid game, I heard about squid game. Oh, fucking, I even jumped on. Uh, what's it called? I keep telling you to watch it. Midnight mass. Mm-hmm. Fucking watch that. Like in two or three days, mm-hmm. uh, squid game watched it like in two days. So, I guess that's me saying, hey, I'm catching up to everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess if you're wondering if they're going to come out with more mm-hmm. of uh, the series, mm-hmm. um, Huang said that he's thinking about what could happen in a potential next season, which is something he didn't really think about before, mm-hmm. because obviously it was really hard to get this thing picked up by anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in a recent interview with The Times... Well, this guy gets around, huh? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's the fucking most popular show. People are like, well, where is this guy? We gotta find him. <laughs> um, he shared that a second season might focus on the police. Um, he thinks that the issue with police officers is not just an issue in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I see it on the global news. This was an issue that I wanted to raise. Maybe in season two, I could talk about this more. I can definitely see that. Um we're not, we're not going to spoil Squid Game. Kelsey, you haven't finished Squid Game, have you? Mm-mm. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but like there was like some cliffhangers at, by the end of the by the end of the series of the first season, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, I can see where they're going. My whole thing is like, you know, when something's big and phenomenal as like Squid Game, normally the follow up is not as great. Yeah, exactly. I, I would like to be proven wrong, but I mean predictions and shit like that is like eh, it probably won't be as great but i'll still watch it like i i can't wait to see what happens um for the second season like i'm not gonna say if it ha- it's going to happen netflix they, they they fucking got something 
Yeah. So they're going to definitely like try to push the Nothing second season. Nothing can be bad as the second season of Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, my God. I gave that series 15 minutes of my time for the first episode. And I was like, nope, not doing this. I watched a few episodes before. I was like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I just, I literally cannot anymore. I know. See, and here's the thing, because that's, that's Mike Flanagan. You know, he blew up with fucking uh, Haunting on Hill House. And then he did the, what's, what's the second the second season called? The Haunting of, of Bly Manor. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to, definitely not going to shit on the guy. He, he does he does good work. He did a great Doctor Sleep. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We, we, we reviewed Doctor Sleep. It was really great. So. I have a feeling something changed. I think something did change because, if, like I said, if you watch uh, Midnight Mass, I mean, no spoiler on this, it's a different fuck. It's a, it's still like a horror, th- uh, horror and tone. And he did that one? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. his show too. It's still a horror th- tone, but like, it's different. It's, so that's what I'm saying. Something happened between Haunting on Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor mm-hmm. because like, something must have happened in the creative team. Yeah. Or who produced it or the direct something. Yeah. So I just think that. So hopefully if Squid Game comes out on uh, season two, mm-hmm. we, it, it, you know, it's not like I want to kill myself. What's, <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think the sequel is going to be called? You think, you think it's going to be called like Squid Game season two or maybe like. Calamari. Calamari <laughs> <Calamari> Playtime. <laughs> Calamari in my tummy. Calamari my tummy. Mm-hmm. You know what? Wasted talent. <laughs> is there anything else no no okay what do we, what do we got next <laughs> now we're gonna do our recent review that rhymed <laughs> the many seats of newark when i was a kid guys like me were brought up to follow toads hey jerk off what'd you say what <laughs> antonio soprano I wonder if I can talk to you alone for a moment, Mrs. Soprano. On the basis of the Sanford Binet, he's high IQ. You can't prove it by me. He's got a D plus average. Well, he doesn't apply himself, but he is smart. The results tell us he's a leader. Ankle dick. Growing up with the family takes a toll. Maybe an ambassador of England or France. You're my nephew. My I want to do whatever I can to help you. you may be a my gift to you. I want to go to college. I can't get called with shit like this. Look, you take the speakers, right? At the same time, you say to yourself, this is the last time I'm ever going to steal something. The synopsis is a look at the formative years of New Jersey gangster Tony Soprano, directed by Alan Taylor, written by David Chase and Lawrence Connor. It stars Alessandra Nivola, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., Vera Farmiga, John Bernthal, Corey Stoll, Ray Liotta, Michaela De Rossi, and Michael Gandolfini. Hmm. Now that seems like a uh, a long list of starring, but yeah, it, it has a lot of those people in it. Like, in the majority of the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, well, you know how it is. Like, 
gangster movies always have a huge group of people. That is true. All yeah, you start seeing like a lot of like, oh, he's in this movie. He's in this movie. He's in this. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so the many states of Newark. All right. Um, I was looking forward to this. Like I said, I I ran through the first. Uh, I ran through the series, the Sopranos series. So automatically, I'm like, yes, I, I want to see this. I want to see the rise of Tony Soprano and everything, and I and the the mythos of uh, Dickie. How do you say Molasante? Molasante. Yeah, Molasante. Because um, you know he, this character's been talked about a lot mm-hmm. in the series. You know, legends of this character and all this kind of stuff, and how it influenced the Tony Soprano character. Uh, plus, like Michael Gandolfini, you know, Tony, um, James Gandolfini's son. Which I'm just like, oh fuck! Like they got a son to play him. I'm like, oh fuck! Okay, it's gonna mm-hmm. be good. It's gonna be good, right? <sighs> Unfortunately, like it wasn't that great. It was. After thinking about it, this movie it's it's fine. <laughs> it's just fine. I think this movie, the advertisement, definitely did it a disservice. Yeah. Um, because you are just like, oh, we're gonna see how Tony Soprano became this individual, like, or at least his first step into like the criminal underworld, or like how he like really started getting into it, right? Mm-hmm. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Um, I will admit, though, that the guy, uh, how do you say, Alessandro... Nivola. 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 Thank you, Nivola. Nivola. <laughs> Novella. You just call Novella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta admit, that dude, this dude was amazing. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his performance as Dickie. Uh-huh. Um, Leslie Odom Jr., pretty good. Not too bad. He wasn't in very much of it, though. He wasn't very much in it, but when he was in it, I was like, all right, all right. Because you know, this is the dude who played, um, he was in that movie, um, the Regina King directed movie that we saw this year. I can't remember what it's called now. What uh, it called? Oh, One, One Night. Night. One Night in Miami, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the performance is good. Um, what did you think about this movie? I think this movie is a great example of like, like, there are lots of times I would tell you some stuff about my family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we made a movie about it, you should make the movie about it. Because uh-huh. honestly, like, the like me going through whatever is probably not going to live up to whatever is in your mind. Oh, like, I would, like, I would, like, uh, I would punch up the story and stuff yeah. like that and the characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like this story is, like, regular people living their fucking lives. And oh, there's okay. nothing super special about it. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? Like, okay. like, yeah, this person went to school and he did this. Haha, ha, that was so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't know. It was just very unspectacular. Um, and Patches thinks so too. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I, I'll definitely say that as well. That it wasn't very, it's was very unspectacular. I mean, they. It was even to a point where like the this kind of like reveal that happens at like the end of the movie which we'll get it we'll talk about in the spoiler section was like i get why david chase and Lawrence connor was like why they wrote that in to be like oh shit moment but like it kind of fell flat that that whole reveal Mm, it it fell flat (laughs) and after talking with you about it a little more i really Mm. thought it was low-hanging fruit the way they did it yeah yeah and they could have been a little more creative yeah yeah um, is there is there anybody in your mind that that, st- that sticks out performance wise? Um, 
Well, I will say Alessandra Nivola for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Giuseppina uh, Montesanti, uh, Michaela De Rossi. Mm-hmm. She looks a lot like uh, Camila Cabello. Who's Camila Cabello? She's a singer. Oh, okay, okay. Like I literally thought it was her at first. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I thought she was really good too. I think I'm going to surprise you by saying Michael Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. I think he has potential to be great, but the way he was written, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say he was great. No, yeah, I, I and I, I think it's just how he was written. I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you with about that. Um, it, it's it's so, like I said because it's so funny because like this movie really sells it as like Michael Gandolfini's like really performing well, or it's just like oh you got to see him in this role and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and like he's honestly like not in the movie that much, which is like surprising. I'm just like. Okay, what, what, like, why, what, like, he, his, like, the Tony Soprano character does show up, like, quite a few, like, sporadically and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but, like, the Michael Gandolfini playing him doesn't show up as much, which I was just like, what the fuck? I kind um, of also feel like we're gonna, t- like, they brought in so many people that we know yeah. to play all these characters, mm-hmm. and the writing and the directing, mm-hmm didn't put it together well enough for me to give a shit about almost any of them uh, yeah and see and i think this is this is what the movie's biggest issue is it's like this movie's two hours it could have used it, it could have been a mini series it definitely could have been a mini series and and i and i'm not the only one who says this i know kelsey's not the only one like i've, I've seen quite a few articles that's like it would have worked better if it was a mini series um and because like the movie is like it, it's a gangster film right a, a gangster two-hour movie film but like when you watch like certain gangster films what's that <laughs> a gangster two-hour movie film. Yeah, know, right? <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you watch those movies it's kind of like boom 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 but they're like hitting you like they keep coming at you with all this kind of stuff right mm-hmm. and that's not what the sopranos is about and it also doesn't feel i mean like the sopranos there's high stakes mm-hmm. where were the high stakes in this film there wasn't very many yeah, I mean, the only and then the cut and the things that they did have mm-hmm. were like, you fucking deserve that. You deserve that. Yeah, like the only one, the only person who I think actually had high stakes was was Dicky. I wouldn't even say not really Dicky. I would say actually it was more the Harold character, the uh, Leslie Oldham Jr. He character. He did, but he was kind of like an eighth banana. I know, but that's the thing. That's I'm saying. Like, out of everybody who had like high stakes, the eighth banana had the most high stake to like, to, to go with. Like scenario wise, yes, uh-huh. he did. I was the reason why I said Dicky mm-hmm. is even, he had a lot of shit to put up with, but I feel like it's mostly self generated. Mm, so okay. yeah, like the, that's why I kind of feel like you could say he had high stakes because yeah. he was very stressed out, but yeah. like also he did it himself. Yeah. Um, but like the, but and, like, and John Bernthal was just John Bernthal. That's the thing. John Bernthal is like in this movie. And I'm just like, my brain is like, they could have gotten, they could have really gotten anybody else to play that character. They could have mm. played Johnny Soprano. And that's the thing. Like, jo- like in the series, the Johnny Soprano character is also his shadows also hanging over Tony as well. How that influenced his, his life as well. And, like, he's not even in the movie that much. And I'm just like, like, there's all these, like, names. And I'm like, yo, you guys aren't even really in the movie, like, a whole lot. Like, um, uh, oh, like, okay, so, so. Ray Liotta's one that wasn't in a whole lot. Well, the, okay, so, I'll, okay, this, this is another thing I'll say. I, I liked the Ray Liotta performance. Mm-hmm. 
because um you know i'll hold on that because i think i think that's a spoiler talk. That's that's more of a spoiler thing, and I think we got to really like but hold that off in the spoilers. About Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. I will say, I don't like him playing calm. Really? It's weird. Ah, it's just okay. weird. Like I feel like he is the same person off screen as he is on screen. You know what okay. I mean? So uh. he's probably fucking wild and loud, and then to see him be like, I know he probably isn't, but like. Mm-hmm. Well, she's like, My mind is like that, you know. Like I think, I just can't picture him yeah. any other way. That'd be funny, really. When he's like the sweetest guy ever, like he's like uh, he probably is. Like he's like what's his name, homeboy uh, from Jurassic Park, who owns like a sheep farm and like makes wine or some shit. Like that. He probably <laughs> he's probably, probably more like the guy from Karina Karina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, oh, that was a good movie. <laughs> You actually like that movie? Yeah, my mom. My mom uh, would watch that movie. I've seen like bits and pieces of it. I'm like, that's a sweet movie. That's a real sweet movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what, what did you think of? What did you think of Alan Alan Taylor's direction? Because this dude has actually directed several episodes uh, for The Sopranos, and that's one of the reasons why David Chase got him because he directed some of uh, David Chase's like favorite episodes. Eh. Totally agree. <laughs> it is eh. that's what i'm saying he doesn't do he doesn't put it together in a way that makes Mm. me want to care about anybody i don't Mm. care about not even tony soprano Mm, okay i got i really do not give a shit about anybody in this film not even dicky no him least of all because he's a piece of shit and like Mm. i i mean if he had any like redeeming qualities i would but he really mm. doesn't okay so so okay i'll just put up i'll put a pause on that real quick because I'll, I'll throw something at you what if we spent more time with dicky like we actually because like this because the soprano the whole soprano thing is not just like gangster life it's also like it's me- how they live their lives yeah, right but all oh, but like the, the mental capacity that they have to go through to like do this shit you know mm-hmm. like how it it makes them how this life still makes them people like regular people well, yeah 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 like would would you would you have think you have been you would have cared about him more if you got to actually spend more mm-hmm. time with him okay. because i think if we spent more time with him we really would have understood what made him tick mm, okay gotcha. and and i think whatever and i'm not going to say what it is obviously i don't want to give spoilers mm-hmm. but the thing that they're trying to tell you about him in this film mm-hmm. is like run-of-the-mill bullshit that they tell you about everybody that they want you to feel sorry for okay i got you you know what i mean but they all they just don't do it well enough Mm -hmm. and it's not creative enough okay so i'll i'll this will do i'll add a little bit more to that and i'll i'll add a little bit more to it but still kind of a little pushback because um because the dicky character actually really you can really see where like and like you, you haven't watched um you haven't watched the series i've seen like a few episodes but you haven't really like got into it like how mm-hmm. i did um so like it understand, it's understandable that you would kind of like miss this but like the christopher character his son you can see if like if you watch the sopranos and see how christopher is you would be like oh i can see where he get that from he got that from his father i know i've like seen that. that character okay i care more about that character <laughs> okay because i get like you spend enough time with mm-hmm. him in these episodes to know why he is the way he is yeah okay how fucked up his brain is how he's not able to like think his way out of anything how he's reactionary like mm. his father you don't get as much depth mm. i'm saying the bones of it are there mm-hmm. 
but the film doesn't do a good enough job to actually make me care because mm-hmm. we don't spend enough time with him. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, so do you want to get into the spoiler section? Yes. Okay, so you know we're going to get into the spoiler section. We're going to talk about the many states of Newark. Uh, greater detail blah, blah 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 all that kind of stuff uh <laughs> yeah my new most more than likely we are also gonna uh i might be spoiling some soprano stuff probably like do you care if i care if i spoil soprano stuff? it's not like real i don't think no, i'll give everything in bed because i'm i want to watch it anyway so. okay okay um so yeah for so for those who have not seen the many states of newark and don't want to be spoiled here's your spoiler bumper right about me up We are. Yes. Um, all right. So, Ray Liotta. Okay. So, I actually, I like Ray Liotta's performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. And not because of like, oh, he played like this mob boss guy so well. Like, the way how he is, I've seen it a thousand times. But the thing I like is the switch. When his character dies, I remember watching, I was like, his character can't be dead because, like, Dixie talks to him, like, in a prison. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense, you know? I'm thinking, like, this is whatever, 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 right? And then we find out he has a brother, like a twin brother, right? Yeah. Okay. And it's, like, a completely different character. You know, it's, like, he's cold. He's very, like, like stoic in his voice. He's very, like, calm and everything. Um, that's That I was, that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I actually wish we got more of that character. Because yeah. he only shows up, like, what, maybe, like, three times or something like that? And it's, yeah. like, maybe, like, five minutes? I wanted more of that character. Kind of. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where we differ. Okay. okay. All right. Well, I mean, shit. Okay. Ray Liotta as Hollywood Dick. Mm. He actually wasn't as crazy as that character as he has been with other more yeah. mob-style type characters. Yeah. Um... But I will say, like, what I liked about that him playing that character mm-hmm. was that even though he was abusive one time, it kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of had more of like a father figure or like a warm type of personality towards people he cared about, mm-hmm. which I'm not used to seeing from him. Okay. And that's why I think I liked him playing that because it balanced out really well. Okay. Okay. And then when he became the cold guy. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could really look at him and it looked like he was wearing um, a bad complexion mask. Oh, like if they did his makeup like a little too, a little time make him look like too harsh. Like he has bad skin, mm-hmm. and you could tell they put a lot of makeup on him, oh, so okay. it looked like they put like fake bad skin on him. Mm. <laughs> add more bad skin to the bad skin. Exactly. <laughs> um, like it, it didn't really add a whole lot of depth. The only thing his character really did add mm-hmm. was. The way he talked to Dickie. Yeah. Which is like, you don't have to do anything for me. Like, mm. I deserve to be where I'm at. Yeah. And then on top of that, as he's learning more about Dickie, he's like, stay away from the people you care about. Yeah. Like, he like he clocked in Dickie after, like, maybe that like, like second encounter or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. He was just like, yeah, I got your number, man. 
Exactly. Uh. Like, I think he kind of realized that Dickie killed, like, you know. Oh, absolutely. Killed his, killed his dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially that line when he was like, he was like, my brother went to go board up the uh, that mechanic shop. My brother, who never lifted a, a finger in his entire life, all of a sudden wants to, like, hit a, use a hammer. Mm-hmm. And then right there, just like, yeah, he knows that he did it. But at the same time, he's just like. Well, I can't really do anything about it, so there's no point of me, me, me talking about it. I know. Yeah. The, and I think that's part of the problem I have, though, is that he's so removed from everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do like the the calm, level-headedness of mm-hmm. that, that character. Yeah. But there's nothing there when it comes to, like, how could you kill my brother or, like... Like, I know you killed your your mistress or anything like that. He's mm. just like, mm. there's nothing. Like, why is he even showing up to spend any time with Dickie? Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's it's kind of funny because, like, he, Dickie goes to this character, like, looking for advice. And it was, it was weird. Like, why, why did he go to that person? Well, I think advice? I know why, because he knows it's his twin. His father's twin. Yeah, but it was just like like there's that line. And he's where trying to replace his dad that he fucking killed. He's trying to look for like a almost like a father figure. No, like um, like an absolvency. Oh, okay. Like absolution. Yeah, yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Um, so the so okay, one another one of the, uh, another uh, issue I have was of course is like the inclusion of Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. Now. It's funny, we get him in two, I, I like, the first, I remember, like, we are watching this movie, and they show, like, a, a young Tony Soprano, like, he's probably, like, what, maybe, like, eight or something like that, or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool, that's understandable, let's have an eight-year-old Tony Soprano, blah, 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 right? And I'm thinking, like, okay, we're gonna get past the 15-minute mark, and then, boom, we got teenage Tony Soprano. Tony's, teenage, Michael Gandolfini's Tony Soprano doesn't show up until, like, Maybe like the last 40 minutes of the movie or something like that. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and like even when he's there, like even though he shows up in the last 40 minutes of the movie, he's not that much into the movie, which to me is I feel like is one of the biggest problems is the the character, the the adult Tony Soprano talks about how the Dicky, how this Dicky dude, he looked up to it. He know he like like you could swear like that that was his father at, at times when he would talk about him mm-hmm. but like we don't really see them interacting a whole lot we don't see them he, he doesn't we don't see tony really shadowing him seeing how this character is going to influence him so heavily and i was just like why is that not in the movie like w- like i understand but also why isn't his mother and father's influence on him in the movie yeah there's like that one interaction with uh Ooh, excuse me. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. There's that one interaction with uh, with Tony and his mother in the kitchen. Uh-huh. And that whole interaction, I was just like, all right, that is straight up Sopranos. Like, that is their dynamic. That is it, right? Mm-hmm. But we got just that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... It's like you get one of everything and that's it. And yeah, it's like exactly. not enough. Exactly. You get one of everything. And it's like, what the fuck? Even like the whole reveal of like... Um, uh, the whole reveal of like Uncle Junior is the one who had Dickie kill. We got like that one time. I mean, there was like maybe I take it back. I'll say very microscopic, very little 
jab at Uncle Junior from Dickie. Mm-hmm. Right. But it seems like that's just like a typical jab. Like they do that to everybody. Yeah. There's only like one time where like apparently it pissed off Uncle Junior enough to be like, I have to kill this guy. Hmm. Which is which wasn't Dickie's fault at all because Uncle Junior like slipped on the rain and fucked up his back. Yeah. It wasn't like Dickie like pushed him or anything like that. And he it's just like that whole thing of like Uncle Junior killing Dickie, it's just like, all right, that like you said, that was like low hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit, and that's the reason why I don't like that other Ray Liotta character, the mm. calm one in jail. Mm. Because it's wasted. Yeah, okay. Because if he just gave a, an ounce more towards, like, like we knew that he knew. Mm. But I wouldn't, like, a lot of the audience, I bet you, they don't really see it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you could easily miss it, that yeah. he knows. Yeah, yeah. If... He had an, an ounce more mm. realization, like visible realization that Dickie killed his father mm. and his fucking mistress. Like, mm. you could probably put a little bit of a story together where mm. he somehow got in touch with people from the family mm. and like, hey, I think this guy did this. And then there's a hit put out on him or something. Yeah. Right. Like, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I think it makes it more of like, I think it, I think that shows more of like, well, your action, um, like a butterfly effect. Your actions in the past is going to affect you in the future, which you know, and in a lot of cases, that's kind of like what the Sopranos were about. Like some something you that these characters did, and maybe like in a prior season or a few episodes back, comes back and smacks them right across the head. Yeah, which would have been like, oh shit, like if like of course I was going to get his ass, you know, mm-hmm. and then like that kind of. The whole that kind of like goes against the whole Uncle Junior character, like in the series, which I was just like, that's why I was just like, wait, you you kind of just contradicted this character, or you kind of like you show like a what's it called, like a like a like a not a disintegration, but like a regression, a regression of this character, like from the sh- from the movie to the show, right? And that's why I was like, like that's why I was bothered by that, and I honestly think. That whoever wrote this, you know, whoever decided to write that idea down and was like, "That's we got to put that in the script. I think they were just like, well, we got to make that reveal and we got to make it shocking. But to me, it was just like, and I'm not the only one. The other people were saying it was like, oh, that's it. Like, like that should have had a bigger impact, but it didn't. Or like you could even say like um, John Bernthal's character. Oh, what, uh, what if he fucking did it? Oh, that would have been extra fucked up. Yeah. Because he's like, dude, that's my fucking son. I know I don't do anything with him. And I yeah. don't give a shit about him, but I am a jealous guy. So yeah, let me yeah. fucking kill him. But see, but see, that would have that would have had to have they would have had to have John Barrowthorpe in the movie more than just fucking ten minutes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> shit like that, which is like, what the fuck? Okay, it's just a, yeah, like they could have done anything other than what they did, and mm. they didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Like I said, I, I wish there was more Michael Gandolfini in this movie. If there is a sequel, you know, bring the dude back. Show show why you got him. There's only, like, really one scene where he he looks, acts, like his his mannerism is just like his father. Like, just like, not, not just James Gandolfini, but like the Tony Soprano character. And that's the scene where, like, he's in the phone booth and, like, his friend like cracks a joke at him he's like what'd you say like that split second it's like mm. oh shit that's him that's straight up tony soprano 
And it sucks because we got like a millisecond of that shit. I just put a picture of Camila Cabello in the docket, by the way, so you could see what she looks like. Just right there, right. I'll delete it. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, that's the one who was in that Cinderella. Yeah, I can see that. Just put like a little mole there. Put, yeah, put the mole right in the middle of her yeah, chin. I can totally see that's that. That's totally her. I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the Dickie character. The uh, Alessandro character, actor. Um, like I said, his performance was really good. His performance was like the shining, the shining spotlight of this movie. Was it, at least that kept me engaged was his performance. Um, but sadly, like when he had to like kill his mistress, and like he's like, like kind of like crying. He's like, "Oh, what's the point of all this kind of stuff?" Mm-hmm. Didn't care. I was like, I, I don't care, dude. I agree with you, and also I'll agree with you that his performance is the one that really shines. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was waiting the whole time for something to happen mm-hmm. that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think him being so unstable mm-hmm. was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Not really interesting, but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. But in a really, like, superficial kind of way. Yeah. So that in retrospect, mm-hmm. like, after having a little bit of time away from it. Mm-hmm. I like it even less than I did. Oh, really? Okay. Because I'm like, you're a whiny piece of shit. <laughs> like, and I don't like those people in real life, and I definitely don't like them on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, so, I like, get you. I get you. Um, so I, I want to, uh, I think we're going to leave off with this, because I want to read this quote um, about Michael Gandolfini playing as a young Tony Soprano. Um so he said this while he spoke to Entertainment Weekly uh, regarding the many states of Newark. Um, he had said, The whole process is one of the most incredible things I've ever gotten to do in my life. First, becoming a fan of the show for the first time I was a kid, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was about. Falling in love with the show was an incredible experience for me and being very proud of my dad and proud of everyone that I've, I've known for a long time. Uh, he continues, And then going through a very rigorous and complicated audition process where at first I was conflicted on whether or not... Uh, whether or not we should do it or what it was everyone going to say and then slowly falling in love with david's writing and then being scared that i wasn't going to get it i have to get it i I hope to get it i hope i get it and at the end of the day i got to work with these people which has been one of the greatest gifts um this is the first time i've ever gotten emotional everyone trusted me okay with that being said i feel like there i feel like there are scenes missing from this movie now of more of 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 Michael Gandolfini's performance, like like it like like I said, the one thing that this movie suffers from is like it it needed more time. It needed a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm so like as we said as as we you know we're talking about the news about David Chase uh, getting a deal with HBO and it could be a possible uh, Soprano spinoff or he wants to do a sequel of this movie. I would wa- I would welcome a m- another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine there would be more of Michael Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I I could I could go for a mini series. This is the case where I'm just like this deserved a mini series. It did. Um, and and I, now you can't really go back and revisit Dicky. You can't what? Go back and revisit Dicky. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So it's kind of like a waste, yeah. which kind of bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but if they do anything in the future, mm. I really hope it follows uh. him and his relationship with his parents. Yeah, yeah, because like his his relationship with his parents and his mother are very toxic. I would really like to see, especially his growth with uh, with uh, Pussy, Ralphie. Um, what's the homeboy's name? Um, oh, the dude with the hair on the side. I fucking forget it. Is it Ralphie? No, Ralphie's the other. Yeah, actually, it is Ralphie. That's Ralphie. The other dude is Richie. Okay. Um, yeah, to see like more of these characters. Oh, I'm sorry, Polly, Polly, Sylvia, and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, seeing that growth from the Tony Soprano, like the the entry into the criminal underworld. Because we never even got this in this movie, mm-hmm. other than that, like Dickie gave him like some some stolen uh, speakers, and like that's it. Yeah, you know, he, of course he was doing like a little bit. He was like, or he tried to give him advice. Yeah, yeah, like the, the little fucking pinky swear bullshit. Yeah, and there's like there's that part where uh, he's like he's like getting numbers and stuff like that, or him him. Oh, at the uh, school. Yeah, and then him and I forgot. Uh, uh, Artie beat up the uh, Artie and Jackie. There you go, the character Jackie. They beat up the the ice cream guy and stuff like that, which is like, Artie right, seems like like some teenage angst shit. I don't really see that being like criminal criminally you know investigating kind of shit you know, mm-hmm. or whatever um so i would i would like i said i would welcome like a, a second a second film a sequel or like like i said even like a miniseries like yeah. fucking do it let's, let's do it i w- the one thing i did get from this is it's making me revisit the show again mm-hmm. <laughs> well, i'm like all right, all right i'm gonna watch all these episodes all over again yeah because it's just like i need i need more i need more of that <laughs> um yeah anything else nope all right what do we got next? Next, we are going to do our variety time. So we went to Beyond Fest this year. We still have more things to see there. Yeah, Beyond Fest? I think so. Mm, nope. Nope. Well, okay. Uh, well, I mean, nope. <laughs> I mean, I think that whatever we're gonna go see on Thursday, and my brain was like beyond. Oh no, that's a that, that's a screening for something. Screening. Yeah, that's a screen for something else. No, there, there's the Michael Mann thing, but I, I, I'm not gonna be able to go to that. I'm, I got homework you got to, shit do. to do. Yeah, I got shit to do. Um, so what year is this for our Beyond Fest? This third, I know this is our fourth year. I think so. Yeah. Okay, because I remember there was the drive-in. That was last year. The drive. Okay, this is our fourth year because there was a drive-in. The other one was uh, that other that other screening, which was about the army vets. And then I remember we saw widows. And that mm-hmm. was another. That was another Beyond Fest. Anyway. And also the the girls that. Oh, the girls! The girls! All the gifts or something like that. The yeah, we saw for, that there too. But no, oh. I meant the girls that are sisters that like are zombies. Oh, raw! Like, That's zombie. right. Yeah, that one. Raw. Oh, and we saw Dawn of the Dead in 3D. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Fuck, we go there a lot. <laughs> anyway, so this is another year, another Beyond Fest, okay? Um, so, okay. My, I have to say, mm. my favorite one. This is your favorite one? Yes. I, I think I think this is your favorite one because, because of what we're going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Personally, I think last year was my favorite because we... We saw a lot of great stuff, and it was just fun going to the drive-in and shit like that. Um, all right, so for this year, uh, Kelsey and I we checked out. One, we checked out Lamb. Okay, 
uh, which is a movie we were really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then do, do we want do we want to talk about Lamb? Yeah, we can we can talk about it a little bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. So because it doesn't come out till Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lamb is I think it's like a Danish. Oh no, it's an Icelandic film. Um, Lamb. It's directed by. Let me pull up the news info. Vladimir Johansson, um, and it's written by Sjordor. By who? S J O with a thing on top and then an N. Sjordor. It's like Sean. Sean. Sean, and then the Vladimir character, and it stars uh, Noemi Rapace. Rapace. Um, it's actually Rapace. Rapace. But I've heard it say like Rapace or something. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, it's Rapace. Rapace. Okay. And a, a few other people that I can't even, I can't even pronounce. <laughs> um, but they're all sons at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this was an interesting movie because it's essentially about this man and wife. They own, they, they work on a sheep farm. They own a sheep farm. And a sheep has a, has a baby lamb. But it's the head of a lamb and the body of a, of a baby. Yeah. Right there. Selling point. <laughs> right there. That was a selling point for us. We're like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> and, of course, my, of course, our, like, professed love of, like, A24. It's like, all right, A24, we're, we're totally in this. Right. Um, what's, what was your experience <laughs> watching this movie? Um, it's definitely um, a, a slow-paced, character-driven story. Mm. So I like that. Okay. Um, directing was good. Mm-hmm. Lots of beautiful shots. What was your experience at at the at the Beyond Fest though? Like not just the movie, the atmosphere. The atmosphere. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone was wearing lamb hats. <laughs> the hosts were wearing lamb suits. Was it lamb? I thought they were bunny outfits. No, they were lambs. Okay, yeah, lamb suits. Okay. Which they reused those for fucking New York Ninja. They just pretended they were like, you know, the white. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, they just added stuff to it or they, whatever? All they did was add a, a black belt around it. And like, yeah. oh, I got my ninja suit. But you can still see the lamb ears and yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. And the tail. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone loved that fucking movie. Yeah. Like, we're not we're not going to really, like, spoil it. We I, we might we might talk about it for, like, a, uh, an episode or something like that. We might give it a review. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully with there with Kelsey. Performance is great. It's a def. It's a definite slow burn. Totally fucking worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. I will have to say that the director, beautiful shots. This is his first feature length film, and fucked all his shots are fucking amazing. You know what really amazed me the most about him? Hmm. He knows how to handle stupid ass questions like a pro. Like he's been in that director's seat for a long time. He was not like amateurish about it. All right. So what Kelsey's <laughs> referring to is after this Q and A. Oh, so after the film, there was a Q and A. Uh, there was a moderator. There was uh, the uh, star. Uh, Numi Rapace. Numi Rapace, and then the director, the Vladimir guy. And they do Q and A. You know, the guy talks to them. You know, asks them about their process. What you know, how they did it and everything. Like, but like, how you find that location? Yeah, and it's but it's fun too because like it's like it can be crass too, vulgarity and shit like that. Not too crass, but 
cracking jokes. So they, they did Q&A. They asked questions from the audience. And then, like, I'm raising my hand. I'm like, oh, I got a great question. People raising their hand because they all assume they have great questions, but they don't. So... <laughs> And then, like, it's me and, like, this one dude next to me. And then there's, a, there's another guy behind us. And the, the moderator is like, oh. He's like, oh, he looks over at our side. He's like, oh, okay, well, well shit, I got a bunch of hands right here. There's uh, the guy in the middle between the two other guys. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I ain't going to ask my fucking question. <laughs> this dude asks the stupidest fucking question. And I, and I can't say what the question is because it's going to give away the ending. But he, let's just say it was a stupid-ass question. And the director was just like... I don't know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the question was on the line of like, was like, oh, the movie ended, so what happens else? Like, yeah, what else like ha- what happens next? And you're like, that's not part of the story. Yeah, I know. The part of the story is not what happens next. It's just like, swallow up the story, absorb that shit. And here goes this stupid ass fucking idiot with his fucking <laughs> stupid ass fucking hat with his dumb fucking ass question. His dumb fucking I didn't even see his face. He was so fucking stupid <laughs> fuck that guy the director had a really good response so he's like i think it's for the audience to decide exactly how they feel about it and exactly. what exactly exactly some people need it spelled out for him like this dumbass moron if you're listening to it fuck you man but Let's, if you're a good director you're like i'm not gonna answer that you decide what happens I, next. I, you decide how you feel about I, it all right i would have done if I, if I was a director i would have been like how do you think it ends there you go you got your answer <laughs> like that <laughs> Um, but yeah, highly recommend. Oh, another thing about the crowd reaction to the movie. There is plenty of times where people are like, (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) It was so well deserved. (laughs) The, um, one of the concession stand workers. Mm -hmm. Did you catch what she was doing? What was she doing? She was saying bye to people, but she was doing it like with a lamb voice. Oh, like bye. Yeah. I did hear it. I heard it once. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> She nice. did it a few times. Like, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're going to tell you right now, like, if it's, if you've seen. If instant you see it, cult. Yeah, it's, it's a cult classic. Um, if you, if you see it at your theater at your, at, on the marquee, go check it out. And just. Like I said, it's slow pace. It's very slow pace, but man, it's so worth it. <laughs> he did. He went know, mad. mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and so the crowning jewel. Okay, so we went on another night, and um, to, to set this up, uh, when when Beyond Fest, when the tickets were coming on sale, they oh so before the tickets went on sale, they had dropped their schedule. They were like here's what's coming out this movie this movie this movie this movie and everything like that right just to build up that hype and it's like two days before tickets go on sale and i'm looking at these and i'm and i every beyond fest i'm like all right we're gonna check out i'm just going through lists i start mapping it out i text kelsey i send her like videos like oh you want to check out this check out that blah 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 and then i stopped this movie and i was like new york ninja what the fuck is this what and i <laughs> watched the trailer 15 seconds in the trailer. I was like, boom, that's it. We're seeing this. Hands down. I don't he, even he didn't even ask me. I didn't even ask her. I was just like, we're going to we're going to this. Like, I sent her a video. You already I, got the tickets. And did I ever get the tickets? Yeah, you, you already got the tickets. Okay, yeah. And you're like, you want to see this with me? And then <laughs> he sent the trailer to me. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're like, all right, good. I already got the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so New York Ninja. Um, let me see if we're going to find the synopsis real Wait, quick. Actually, you didn't get the tickets yet because there was a whole thing about the site going down. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I hadn't gotten the tickets yet because the site had crashed. 
Uh, no, I did. I got I got tickets that day when the site the site was crashing. I was able to fucking slip in, yeet those fuck, yoink those two tickets, and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then I got more. Anyway, so. Uh, this is this, okay. So this is the synopsis: A sound technician for a news. Oh, I didn't even know that sound technician. Holy shit! <laughs> a sound technician for a new news station. John Liu becomes a vigilante ninja in New York after his pregnant wife is murdered. Okay. So <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it makes more sense. It makes what, a lot of sense about why he was hanging around the people he was hanging around. Uh-huh. I'm like, why is he just there? Yeah, I know, right? So this one is really. This is a really interesting. Uh, not the the film isn't interesting. It's what the story behind it. This film was made in 1984. The right? film is also very interesting. Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, for, for a separate reason. Um, so the film was made in 1984, right? It was directed in 1984, but it was never released. Uh, it was and direct- it also wasn't finished. Yeah, it wasn't finished. It was directed by this guy named John Liu, who was like this uh, Hong Kong. Uh, Kung Fu star. Yeah, Kung Fu star, right? He was huge in like the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. And this was, I believe, what's going to be his directorial debut. So this movie was was uh, shot. It was not finished. And the footage was, was supposedly lost. And the group known as uh, Vinegar Syndrome came across. They had got all these uh, reels from another studio called 21st Century that had this movie. And... They looked at it and they were like, "Holy shit, this this is something we we gotta we gotta do something about this." The thing about it is like they lost. There was no sound. They couldn't find the sound. They couldn't find the script. It was even hard. They to... They didn't even have a call sheet, so they didn't even no know who call, the actors. Yeah, they were. didn't know who the actors. All they had was like slates, and that was it. Um, so they so the guy who directed the restoration, Curtis uh, Speller. He was able to like put it together. He like wrote the script, and him and like several other people from Vinegar Syndrome did the search to try to find the director, try to find these actors, and try to like get the story behind this and everything like that. And so they essentially they used the slates to put the film together in order yeah. of like you know everything's completed. Yeah, and as 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 Speller had said, he was like the movie still made no sense. It made less sense then than it did before. <laughs> yeah, so what they did is like they they redid the whole sound. It took them 2 years to do this. Um they they went to this group called Voyager 3. They did the soundtrack. And then they got voice act then they got voice they had to get voice actors. So one for the main character John Lewis, they got Don the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> B-movie action star that he was at this screening where I flipped the fuck out. You met him in line at the bathroom. I met him in line in the bathroom. I was like walking out of the bathroom and he's like walking in. I turn around. I did that double tick like. <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. And then here's the thing. On his IMDb page, it says Don Wilson. Uh. No, that needs to be fixed. He's Don the Dragon Wilson. Straight <laughs> up. You literally can't say his name without saying the dragon yeah. in the middle. And I was like, I was like, are you Don the Dragon Wilson? He was like, yeah. And he goes, I'm like, oh my God, like, I love your movies. And he's like, oh, you can still tell who I am. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I know yeah, you He's are. like, I'm not that much of an old fuck. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. And I, I'm like fanboying. Like, Kelsey comes out of the, comes out of the, her, comes out of the bathroom, the female bathroom. And she's like, and I'm just, she sees me like flustered and like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like trying to explain to her, like. You did not try to explain to me. <laughs> I tried. I kept, I was like, who is, who is this? <laughs> and I just kept saying, he's Don the Dragon 
No, you. At first, you didn't. You're just talking to him. You didn't even bother trying to tell me who he was. And we started going down the stairs. I'm like, who is that? You're like, I'll t- I'll tell you like, when we sit down. No, I do. I do see. Remember saying that, but I think because I, I was going, I was talking so fast and so like, and everything. And then finally, you told me when we sat down. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So. And then other action star Cynthia Rothrock was there too. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Flipping out, right? Um, and you got your picture taken. I got with a them. picture taken of both of them. Oh my god, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> Don Wilson, he was like, "Do you do martial arts?" I know. Right? He asked me. He's like, do you, "He's like, are you martial arts?" I was like, "Fuck, I wish." <laughs> <laughs> um. So like, it, it was one. It was great. It was great meeting my heroes. I just love watching these two, like in their, in their movies. But. The main, I think the main thing I love about it the most is Kelsey's reaction to this movie. Because, Kelsey, what did you call this movie? What did I call this I movie? I believe you said this was the greatest movie ever. Oh, yeah. It's the best movie I've ever fucking seen in my life. <laughs> I love this. I have never, mm. ever, like, you have tattoos mm. from movies or shows. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I have never wanted a tattoo from anything I've seen on the screen mm-hmm. until now. Like, I want the character named Rat Tail. Oh my god, that character is <sighs> exquisite. Exquisite. Uh, yeah. You sure you don't want the you don't want the tattoo of the plutonium killer <laughs> with his no. face? He's making? <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, what about his? Face. No, I want you to get that tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this this movie it's in the vein of '80s cheesy like ninja film, mm-hmm. um, but it's so badly made. But there's like charm behind it. You can tell, like John Liu was like, "This is gonna be my masterpiece mm-hmm. and everything," right? And what he made was a Cult, a parody of a, a, a parody but it's like it's it to me it's a cult masterpiece yeah like it it's something that like kelsey was like fucking dying while watching this movie it was so i was funny. laughing so much <laughs> um like we're not gonna really like spoil it we but- can't anyways because it hasn't come out. Yeah, like there's, there's. I haven't seen any news about like if it's gonna. It might, guess it might be hitting the the uh, the festival market. Just kind of be bouncing here and there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen anything about like oh if it's coming out Blu-ray, if it's coming out to like certain theaters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it come out to Blu-ray because I'm fucking getting a copy ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, but I will mention a couple, like couple small things. One, uh, roller skating ninja. Phenomenal. Uh-huh. Another one. Uh, a character who is uh, radioactive. That <laughs> <laughs> burns all his finger with a, all his characters with a touch or his victims with a touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing was horrible wigs. <laughs> Never get tired of that. Yep. And another thing is uh, somehow Interpol's involved with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so like. Another thing that's really fascinating is like the guy Curtis Speller um, or Spieler, he had to write a script for this movie and like without the, knowing what it, the fuck it was about. Exactly, exactly. And like the funny thing was like he could have like written this like oh like, he could have written it like as a straight up comedy like just like zany kind of weird shit. But like um, 
as as he said during their uh, doing the Q and A, he said he was like, let's just play it straight. Let's just go with it, like how it how we think the movie was trying, what the movie was trying to say, and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. He made the most earnest script, and it was fucking funny. Like without even trying, it was fucking hilarious. Yep. Um, but if you try, then it's gonna suck. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Uh, what what. Do you have anything to add? Because I feel like I've been talking like this entire time. Um, they played a forty-five minute documentary after. Mm-hmm. I was so happy about the movie. Mm-hmm. I was kind of glad that we got to like ease on out of the film of the documentary, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could kind of like digest it a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we were there for the movie, and then we watched the documentary, and I was all for it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I- go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Go ahead. And uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the film because it's like one of those films mm-hmm. that you really can't say anything about it because you just have to experience oh, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like if you if this movie shows up at like a special screening, fucking go to it. Because the people who want to watch it, that's because they want to watch it. They've like heard about this movie. If this movie ever comes out, mm-hmm. I hope it does. First of all, at the end, they have like, you know, our next watch, our next film is going to be L.A. Ninja or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want them to make that. There's no film for that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I want them to make that. But also, like, if it comes out, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it in more detail because I'm dying to talk about it. Oh, okay. I just kind of can't because it hasn't come out and i don't want to get in trouble yeah yeah definitely definitely i i would and, and that's the thing the 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 uh the spiller cat he had said that um he added it because like during that time they would do like like uh they would do like certain movies like thinking like they're gonna get a sequel and they'd be like oh so and so we're returning this yeah like superman used to do that yeah and like they did it for this one and i remember when they were like oh like you know next time or like he'll return in la ninja and i remember all his members were like <gasps> like oh know, shit. Like, really yeah because even i was like oh my god yes like even when the movie ended yes more give me more <laughs> give me more and unfortunately like, the dude was like yeah i just put it in there like as, as like a joke but like i mean i don't know if it's big enough maybe we'll try to make an la ninja i'm like <laughs> you better make this fucking movie yeah um one, oh, another thing I definitely have to ask. Oh, so yeah, the documentary. The documentary is really. I would imagine that the documentary is going to go with whatever, uh, like release they're going to do with it, mm-hmm. um, because the documentary adds adds a more layers to it and like why they did this and like the story of it and mm-hmm. the story of John Liu, which I think it like it really elevated the film. It didn't make it worse or anything. I was just like, oh, like I I wanted all the information, you know. Yeah. Um. Also. That soundtrack was a fucking banger from Voyager yeah, 3. Yeah, it was. It was great. That was a great soundtrack. I really I love synth. It's like one of my favorites. And <laughs> the thing that's even it was was even just as just as good was like the final the closing song, which is like New York Ninja rap. And I'm just like, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> like you guys are you guys are just winning all of this like all the fucking time. It, it made me though. I don't know if it popped in your head at all. It made me think of the karate rap it did it made me think of karate rap too i was like holy shit it's like it's like did they did they watch karate rap while like putting this this scene together like we gotta do it like this or something like that i I, we should ask that i know did you ever watch karate rap 
think you would probably I know. vibe with that. I should totally tweet that dude and be like, you ever watch Karate Rap? Like, come on, man. Just say it. You watch it. You watch it over and over. It's your ringtone. going to do our geriatric cinematic of 1993's A Bronx Tale. All these years, what have I been telling you? Yeah, I know. Stay in school, get two educations. I know. That's right. This is my life, not yours. This is not for you. No guns. I first met Sonny in 1960. I was nine years old. He was the number one man in the neighborhood. And as I grew... He grew in power. He became a boss. And I was his friend. I wonder why. I don't care. In a world called the Bronx. Look, I'm your father. I love you. You're breaking my heart. Sonny, trust me. That man can never trust anybody. The sooner you know that, the better. He was caught in a tug of war. Between his hardworking father. I tell you something to go to school to go to school. You don't understand. It's not what you say, it's what he sees. It's the clothes, it's the cars, it's the money. I treat that kid like he's my son. He ain't your son, he's my son. And the man who owned the neighborhood. Don't you trust anybody? No. It's a horrible way to live. For me, it's the only way. Is it better to be loved or feared? I would rather be feared. Because fear lasts longer than love. The synopsis is, a father becomes worried when a local gangster befriends his son in the Bronx in the 1960s. Directed by Robert De Niro, written by Chaz Palminteri. It also stars Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri, Terrell Hicks, Catherine Narducci, Lilo Brancato, and Francis Capra. Um, so yeah, 1993's A Bronx Tale. Um. Hands down, better film. Oh, then say some new work. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, straight up. Like, like this ding, is, ding 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 ding. Yeah, it's yeah. the winner. Yeah, straight up. This is this movie's already a better movie than uh, the uh, the many saints of Newark. Um, so a Bronx Tale. I haven't. God, I remember watching this as a kid. Like here and there. I think it was like on like Channel Nine, Thirteen, maybe HBO or something like that. Um, so I like bits and pieces and stuff like that. But it was actually really great to like revisit this movie, and I completely forgot that. This was uh, Robert De Niro's like directorial debut, which he had. Um, I had read that like he actually asked like Martin Scorsese for help or mm-hmm. advice and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, fuck what I gotta say. What is it? the most important thing is what did Kelsey think about it? Great film. Really great fucking film. Go on. I love this film. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's a great film. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's not pretentious, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the mobster films are very macho. Like, look at me, mm-hmm. I'm a badass. I carry guns. I kill people. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. This film is actually more a story of like friendship and honesty and like coming of age. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, with the mob, <laughs> like yeah, even like the Chaz Palminteri character, which you think would be like this badass mafioso type of guy, like yeah, I'll kill this guy, kill this guy. He's like really level-headed yeah and very like reasonable like you know and like when he's like trying to like 
kind of have take seat underneath his wing and stuff like that. There's even like this great line where he's like, he's like, go to school. He goes, why I want you to go to school? And then C goes like, because I want, I get two educations, one in the streets and one in the, in school. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, you don't hear that in like mob movies. They're like, yeah, get in the streets and you know get this money and blah blah. Yeah, that's how that's how I talk. Get this money. <laughs> <laughs> but even he like, even he was just like. Like, no, kid, you're like, you're smart. Don't be stupid like me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's funny. I always think it's funny when people do that. And that's one thing that makes it believable. Mm-hmm. Is there are people who are like, I really care about this person and I don't want them to be like me. So I'm going to spend all my fucking time with them and make them look up to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't know this before going to this movie that this was actually based uh, on kind of based on, it wasn't based, it was an autobiography. Um, that Chaz Palminteri wrote uh, about him himself growing up. He's pretty much he was the C character. The um, well, I keep saying C because well, how do you say his name? Caligero. Caligero, yeah, because the character was Caligero, but they kept calling him C in the movie. But also, Chaz Palminteri's real name is Caligero. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Chaz Palminteri's real name is Caligero Lorenzo Palminteri. Um, he like went to several studios to get the script made. Uh, there was a there was one studio that was like, "Boom, we'll give you a million dollars," but that's it. Like, you can't write it or anything. We just want to take this story. He was just like, "Nah, like I gotta write this." You know, um, I gotta play. I gotta play the um, the Sunny character because the Sunny character is like an amalgamation of like three other people that he knew in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did say like the scene where like. A, a young C like sees a guy get shot like he saw it he was just like yeah that was just a normal thing <laughs> that just happened <laughs> also he's a great fucking actor Jazz Terry? oh absolutely oh, great and also I love, really like his nose <laughs> and his eyes why I don't know Something his nose it? is really interesting mm. and his eyes I don't know he seems like a father figure when he really shouldn't be one mm. like you yeah, know what I, I mean he always you, plays like these killers and shit yeah so, what did you think of the performance? Anybody that stuck out for you? Um, the younger color girl, is so that, Francis Capra, mm-hmm. who you showed me a picture of, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I know, right? You're like, oh, wow, he grew up, <laughs> <laughs> and not in like a good way. Yeah. Um, him, mostly him. I like Sunny. The Chas Palminteri. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And um, Terrell Hicks. Oh, the one who played Jane? Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't her. think it was so much her acting as mm. like... Maybe like She had presence? something special. Yeah, like yeah. how she carried herself. Yeah, it, it's weird because like the movie... Because the movie mainly focuses on C and his relationship with Sonny and how that affects the relationship with his father who's played by De Niro. Um, and then close to like... Maybe, like, in the middle of the second act, into the third act, there's, like, this Jane character that gets, like, thrown in the movie. And it has, like, this whole, like, love story between the two. And um, there was some information I found out that, like, they that studio, the studio wanted to pull that out. They were like, why are we having this love story in this, in this film about, like, a father and son? And Robert De Niro was like, no, we're sticking with it. Because, like, we want to show another reason why C would want to get out of this lifestyle. And mm-hmm. everything, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, going back to what Kelsey said about Francis Coppola, Francis Coppola, um, I'm not a fan of child actors because there's something, a level of, like, bullshit mm-hmm. with them that you can just see. Not with this kid. He was so fucking believable. Yeah. Like, like, 
like I've wanted to know him in real life. Like mm. I wanted to like meet him. I wanted to like go to his mom and dad's house mm. and like felt bad for him being stuck on that fucking stoop all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. There was something really genuine about him. Yeah. I actually like the I actually like uh Lilo Brancato. I actually liked his performance as well. Um he really carried a lot of like the same mannerisms and like movement um that Robert De Niro had. And there's even like this shot where you see him like sitting like side by side. And I was like, yo, that's totally like De Niro's son. <laughs> yeah, like, holy shit. <laughs> they found his fucking son. Um which like the way how they did the casting is like they didn't really want to hire uh, like just normal like typical actors for like this movie they actually got like real people from around the around new york mm-hmm. and long island um specifically uh lilo uh broncado yeah broncado like he uh, where is it um so what happens is that a scout had noticed lilo at, on jones beach he says for most of his childhood broncado had done impersonations of de niro and he resembled de niro and that's what like got him the part oh okay like, he was immediately guys like, like boom that's it. You done. got the role. Yeah. Um, D-E-D. Done. <laughs> D-E-D. Done. Uh, what did you, okay, so what did you think? So this is what the movie did well that this, that the Saints of Newark didn't do. The pacing. I think the pacing was great. Yeah. This was like a two-hour and some change movie, and we got... Everything. Everything. We got... And not not just like... This is not like, a, like I say, a typical like mafia movie where it's like oh i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you there's a mob war blah blah he's like no we're like seeing the coming of age we're seeing growth we're seeing these characters develop and, and shit room like that. To breathe room to think about it and digest it exactly and not only like that we're seeing like the influence from sunny to see c's relationship with his friends mm-hmm. and how sunny's like get away from them and stuff like that and how his relationship with his father is and stuff like that yeah we got it like really well paced really put together in this two hour movie that like I felt satisfied at the end mm-hmm. matter of fact I could have I could have gone with a sequel there because I would have like I want to see how say like seeing Jane like work out at the end yeah exactly um is, so as this being De Niro's first his first film mm-hmm. what did you think of his directing I thought it was great mm-hmm. um I was very surprised the fact that you said that Martin Scorsese gave him pointers mm-hmm I feel like I could kind of see that. Oh, you can see a little bit of his DNA in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, But I always get really, like, I feel, like, kind of fulfilled when I know an actor's gotten in the directing chair and they did a fucking awesome job. Mm, okay. Um, So this is, this is, this was De Niro's first film. And his next film wouldn't be until 2003. <laughs> the, uh, I think it's called, like, The Good Shepherd with Matt Damon. I'm sorry, 2006. Shit. That's 13 years later. I know, right? It's like, yeah, I guess I'll make another movie. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I'm I'm actually surprised that, like, when he did this movie, he didn't, like, direct another movie. I don't know why he didn't, like, it doesn't say why he just just did this one and then did another one after or a couple years after. Maybe he just, maybe he didn't, like, the process. I think he's a director, right? Like, Mm. there's a lot of stress and, like, a lot of work that goes into directing. And if you're more used to being an actor... Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you do something and you do it well and you do it well one time, why fuck with it? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you make a reputation, I made this one film yeah. and it was a great fucking film, but I'm still a fucking actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and the fact that he made another film later, like, and mm-hmm. waited 13 years, like, I feel like that's just kind of lends more credence to the fact that he doesn't do things 
to like hurry up and get him done. Yeah, that he has to find like a reason, like mm-hmm. maybe the script and like the actors that's getting involved. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll do this. Um, so I want to talk a little bit of fan theory. Okay. And I, I, I just went way over my head while we're watching this movie. So there's a scene in the movie where like Sonny and his guys, they beat up these bikers. Uh-huh. Right. They beat the shit out of him and stuff like that. Um, and then later on, there's a part where C, Sonny lets C borrow his car to go pick up Jane. It doesn't work out between Jane and C. And he comes back and he, he gives Sonny back his car. And Sonny's like, all right, whatever. We can go for a ride. And then Sonny comes back later and he's like, Where'd you take my car? Where'd you take my car? Right. And mm-hmm. my brain kept, I kept thinking like, oh, maybe like there was something wrong with the engine or some shit like that. Apparently there was a bomb. And like, that went way over my head. Maybe no, like, I, I got that. Okay. No, but like me, I, I don't know what, I don't know why I didn't catch that. Oh. Right? Um, so there was a bomb planet in Sonny's car, you right? You have a habit of looking at your phone, that IMDb, oh. <laughs> while you're watching yeah. the movie. And I think at that time you were really looking at your phone. Yeah. Uh, so Sonny is like, there's a bo- there was a bomb in my car. You know, he didn't it didn't go off. But, you know, where'd you take my car? You know, all that kind of shit, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's like, I didn't take your car anywhere. I didn't do anything. But, you know, he's like freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a fan theory that one of the bikers did that. Hmm. Because there's a scene, in the, in, there's a part in the movie where after he beats shit out of the biker, out of those bikers, he's like, "You fucking remember me?" And then he tells people, "He's like, come on, let's get in my car and shit like that." Yeah. So like maybe like the bikers were like, "Oh, I see that." And his car is very noticeable. It's like it's a, flashy. Yeah, it's like a red Cadillac drop top and shit like that. It's just mm-hmm. like, all right, I can pick that car in 1960s fucking Brooklyn or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's a little fan theory for that. I don't think so, but you, know. <laughs> you don't think so? you're like fuck that. The bikers didn't have enough ambition. Mm. They didn't seem very intelligent. Well, okay. You I, know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, getting your ass kicked, you know that 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 brings some ambition up. Not that kind of ambition. Look, I can tell you some stories, but then I go to jail. Also, you're not a white biker. I don't know. Nobody. You're not even white. Nobody has seen me on this podcast. We don't video it. I might be white. You have referenced <laughs> plenty of times the fact that you're black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless you're whack. In the immortal words of Whitney Houston, crack is whack. Yeah, white, black. Yeah. Whack. Oh my God, get the fuck away from me. Holy <laughs> shit. Um... I'm trying to think what else it was. Uh... Oh, oh, okay. So check this out. Check this out. I got. I definitely got to mention this. I definitely got to mention this. So the dude who plays, uh, where the fuck is he? The dude who plays uh, Eddie Mush, the guy who was like the bad luck guy. Yeah. That's the real Eddie Mush. Really? That was really him. And he, <laughs> his whole bad luck thing, is real. What happened was that on the first day of their shooting, like they were, they were like the the production was like, all right, we're gonna, you know, this guy's known for being a jinx and stuff like that. So they were like kind of scared, right? The first day of shooting, um, it started raining. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that dude is actually, um, uh, oh his name, yeah, his name is Eddie uh, Montanero. There, his name is Eddie Montanero. Oh, it was the first day of them shooting. Uh, his scenes they, that that's when it started raining uh. so it was like all right maybe there's something to like this myth after <laughs> all um so 
What else? Oh, okay. So it's it's it, another thing that's interesting is like what got palmetary to like write the script. Apparently, he was a bouncer in L.A. during the eighties, and he was at a, he was a bouncer at a nightclub. And during like one gig, there was a dude who showed up. He says one night a guy was coming coming in, and he was very rude to me. Um, Palmetary said this to the AV club. He says, I told him I was not, I wasn't going to let him in. And he got mad and told me that I'd be fired in 15 minutes. So he continues. Sure enough. Everyone tells me that. Um, oh no. Yeah. 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 He tells the guys like, sure enough. Everyone tells me that. And then. No, he goes, sure, sure. Everyone tells me that. Yeah. 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 And so the, the man turned out to be like this big agent in, in the, uh, in the. In Hollywood. In Hollywood. His name was like Swifty. Lazar. Lazar. Yeah. In 1989, and fucking 15 minutes later, he was fucking fired. <laughs> so like he like was considered his options, and then he said, "I thought that if no one was going to give me a great part, it was difficult. It was very difficult to break into film. Obviously, then I write myself, uh, write one myself, which is like a normal. That is a typical. I don't want to say typical. That kind of like downgrades it. That that is a normal thing in Hollywood. Where like I, I want to get I want to get into these films. I want to do these characters and. You know, agents, producers, whatever, they don't see it and they're like, fuck it, I'll just write it myself. Yeah. They sell the script, boom, like, I'm in it. You know, I, this, I had to play this character, which is in this case, in a Bronx sale, Charles Palmateri was like, no, I have to play this character. Mm-hmm. And he, like, that was it. You know, he got himself in there. I mean, he's, um, I think he was, of course, I think he was acting like way before then, but this is the one that was like, like look at this fucking guy. Yeah, I'm this guy, you know. Um, so, yeah, and of course, this, like, before, it became a film. It was like a ninety-minute, like one-man show. That's got some, that's some balls right there. I know. <laughs> Make the show about yourself, just you doing that. <laughs> that is some ballsy shit. And I know someone else who does that. Who? Jake. Oh. <sighs> First, you gotta have talent. He doesn't have that. From what I see, I don't know. <laughs> I just he irks me the. Rubs you the wrong way. Rubs me the wrong way, yeah. I like him better now that he has a girlfriend or fiance. Oh, because he fucking like pulled back. The now weird... he's fucking happy and he's not fucking weird and depressed oh and like neurotic God. and shit. Oh, if that if that marriage fails, then oh boy, watch out. <laughs> I'm not saying I want him to want it to, but just fuck. Um. Oh, okay. So key thing, uh, Kelsey, do you think this movie still holds up? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of great messages. Mm-hmm. I think that it has a great story and great directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I really, really like this film a lot. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you as well. Um, I'll even add that the soundtrack is really good. The soundtrack has like the typical kind of like mob soundtrack, but it's... But it's, it's got a lot of would. jazz in it too and shit like yeah because you've got the whole record store in the black community and like music that would come out of their cars oh yeah absolutely that definitely like Italians weren't necessarily playing they mm-hmm. didn't like black people yeah call them like eggplants and shit like that did they call them that mm-hmm. that's when when you hear an Italian call a black guy an eggplant yeah that's like well, that's like saying word I didn't hear it in the film though oh no no like that's like that's like, I, like Italian I heard, culture and shit like that. I think i heard spook but there was another mm. one that i heard that <sighs> well, i think it was black people calling italians something uh not uh, wop but it was something else oh i didn't catch that i mean see if i could drop that in bomb they're like mm, of course no i i've heard it also on the um the king of uh harlem 
Oh, really? Yeah, there was a, word, a specific word they used to call Italians. Ah. Guess we'll never know. <laughs> never know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I think it still holds up. Uh, this was, like I said, this was actually way more enjoyable than the, the, the many states of New York. Um, and it's a fucking great director debut for Robert De Niro um, when he dropped this movie. I thought it was hella fucking good. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think it's all I have to add. Uh, so that's it. We good? Yes. All right. So uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's episode. Um, especially like the things. Thank the folks at Your Entertainment Corner uh, for hosting this podcast. Uh, Kelsey writes for them occasionally. Um, our, our buddy Judy, I know she's been very busy with like her actual like job job and everything like that. But you know she tries to keep up with the. Uh, Try to keep the site updated as much as possible. Um, they, I, I know they did drop, because they do another pod, they do a po- uh, podcast themselves. I forgot what it was called, but they just did a recent episode and they talked to like uh, players in Hollywood, like here and there and stuff like that, and artists, which is really great. Um, so you can find that and all your film news and TV news on yourentertainmentcorner.com. Um, this podcast is all, all the podcast catchers were everywhere. We're even in your closet right now. If you don't have a closet, we're going to build you one, and then we're going to be in that closet. (laughs) Um, And by in the closet, it's definitely what you think it is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so next week's episode, fuck it, finally this movie comes out. Uh, We're going to review the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die. Um, That is premiering in theaters October the 8th. Uh, if you don't feel safe going out to the theaters, that's okay. We're going to check it out. Because like I said, we've been waiting. Well, especially me as a Bond fan. I've been waiting for this movie. <laughs> and I'm more like, all right, I'll watch this shit with you. Yeah, you, you are. I watched one James Bond movie. <laughs> License to Kill. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that's a great Bond I think Bond we film. watched a lot more Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to all those Mission Impossible <laughs> yeah. movies. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're... <laughs> They all melded together too. Well, because because we watched them back to back to back to back. That glorious Tom Cruise hair, <laughs> amazing, especially in part two, amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna review No Time to Die. Uh, with that, we're gonna do our geriatric cinematic, which is 2006's uh, Casino Royale. Uh, pretty much, you know, first Daniel Craig Bond, last Daniel Craig Bond. Um, that Casino Royale is available to rent on uh, Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Uh, the topic, uh, bonding over the first and last Daniel Craig iteration of James Bond. That was pretty, it's pretty lengthy. I know. You know what? This is the topic. Bonding over Bond. Mm-hmm. There. That's the topic. We're going to bond over Bond. That's what I was thinking, but I was like, nah, I got to complicate it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't Why? know. I literally thought of bonding over Bond, but I'm like, but it's. Daniel Craig, you gotta like, it's not any of the other ones, right? So it's like, okay, but I gotta put that in there. And then, like, no, no, I gotta tell him it's the first and the last one. Ta da! Waste of talent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we're gonna bid you guys adieu. Uh, We hope everybody's safe out there. Uh, It's a crazy world. I have to tell you. Hmm. (laughs) We're like, whoa. You're like, whoa, what? What's going on? I have to say, hmm. if you are not within a 500 foot radius of me, mm-hmm. you're probably safe. 
Why? From me. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Do you feel safe around me? I I would hope. Should I not be? I don't know. You make enough jokes about it. Gonna- <laughs> like I torture you. Oh. My bad jokes. Yeah. Voice it out. <laughs> oh my god. That joke should not have gone over your head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it shouldn't, but it did. <laughs> Look, I uh, actually it couldn't because I would catch it. Shouldn't, it couldn't, and it wouldn't. <laughs> <sighs>